Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30, Friday, April 10th. I'm Desiree Frazier in for Karen Brown. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the governor addresses record unemployment and how leaders in the Legislative Black Caucus are responding to what the data indicates about the coronavirus and the African-American community. Then, because of the coronavirus, some pregnant women are worried about giving birth in the hospital. A growing number are considering home births. Plus, it's a trying time for children with behavioral health challenges. We talk to Canopy's John Damon. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The most recent report from the Mississippi Department of Health reveals the largest single-day increase in confirmed cases of COVID-19 to date. Yesterday, the health department announced 257 new cases of COVID-19, the disease caused by the coronavirus, as well as nine new related deaths. Mississippi now has 2,260 cases with 76 total related deaths. Because of that growing health crisis, Governor Tate Reeves is urging churches not to have in-person Easter services. He says he'll decide by Tuesday whether to extend school closures beyond April 17th. But during a press conference yesterday, he acknowledges this crisis is about more than just health. This is a public health crisis, but is also an economic crisis. We all have to be willing to admit that. It is an economic crisis for the families with two parents out of work. It is an economic crisis for the workers racking up credit card debt today. It is an economic crisis for the people who never thought they would need to rely on the government to get them by, but now find themselves in that position. That is who we are worried about. The stock market will recover, and Wall Street will do just fine. I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about Main Street Mississippians whose lives and livelihoods are directly threatened by the fallout from this disease. Unemployment claims in Mississippi continue to climb to record highs over coronavirus business closures. Some 45,000 Mississippians filed unemployment claims over the past week, causing log jams within the Department of Employment Security. The governor says the state and agencies are taking steps to increase processing times. Across the country, workers are unable to get through to file. It's happening everywhere, but it is definitely happening here as well. We need to fix it. And we are going to fix it. We're doing that in two different ways. We're automating a lot of the processes. Uh, MDES is reaching out to work with some outside private sector help to try and find a way to automate a lot of the back-end work 
that goes into ensuring we can get people their money. We're also dramatically increasing the live people working on this. We've already doubled the number of people answering calls and have almost tripled them. We're going to double it again in the coming days. Volunteers are processing claims, and we are planning to waive the 90-day requirement for retired workers to return and help. Now, I understand that none of that helps if you can't get through. I know that. But we're working hard every day, and we're going to make it right. The governor says Mississippi will be one of the first states to distribute funds through the CARES Act. Jackie Turner, executive director of Mississippi Department of Employment Security, says starting today, benefits received through the typical unemployment benefits program will receive additional dollars from the federal CARES Act. Next, how leaders in the Black Caucus are responding to what the data indicates about the coronavirus and the African-American community. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. African-Americans in Mississippi are dying at an alarming rate from the coronavirus. Black Mississippians represent less than 40 percent of the population in the state, yet 52 percent of residents diagnosed with the virus are black. At a recent virtual town hall conducted by Mississippi's Legislative Black Caucus, State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says the rate of COVID-19-related deaths among black Mississippians is troubling. Even more alarming, we see that the death rate, so the percentage of the deaths that we've seen in Mississippi, 72% have been black and 28% white. So it's been a whopping lopsided mortality when we look in African-American folks. It's, it's hard to know exactly why that is. Um, there have, this has been something that's identified across the country. Uh, um, certainly other places have been looking very closely at this, especially in Milwaukee, And that's a good model for people to read about if they want to understand some of the underlying conditions that people think are driving it. But certainly at least one of the conditions that's driving it in Mississippi is comorbidities or, you know, other severe medical issues. Derek Simmons is a Democrat from Greenville and Senate minority leader. He tells our Ashley Norwood Mississippi needs to consider expanding health care access for the 300,000 who have no health insurance now more than ever. Um, my initial my initial reaction actually uh, was that uh, it wasn't too surprising because healthcare officials, uh, politicians, we've known uh, that healthcare disparities are common are more common in certain racial groups within the United States and also here in Mississippi, and certain uh, racial groups have higher incidences of acquiring these diseases and ailments. And so COVID-19 is not any different. But what I, what I think is really important, actually, if I may, mm-hmm. if I continue, um, is, is that the, the country and the state of Mississippi are both in a state of health care denial. Uh, you know, we promote that we have the best health care in the world. And, and the state of Mississippi, we have the top research, one of the top research institutions at University Medical Center. Uh, but, but, but we are in a state of health care denial. And the United States ranks dead last in life expectancy for men, second to last for women among the 17th wealthiest nations. The infant mortality rate in the United States ranks last among most advanced countries in the world. And when you look 
other developed countries around the world, the United States health outcomes continued to decline. There was a report by the U.S. World News, uh, and, and, and a ranking was done of the 50 states. And I don't have to tell you, Mississippi ranks dead last when looking at factors of health care access, mm-hmm. health care quality, and public health. And so Mississippi's biggest failure was not to expand access to health care to 10% of working Mississippians. We're talking about a population of 3 million people, and we could have expanded access to care to 300,000 working Mississippians. We are losing a million dollars a day because we failed to do that. It's Mississippi's biggest failure. And we had um, Governor Tate Reeves on, and um, our our Mississippi edition host, Karen Brown, asked him um, would he consider expanding uh, Medicaid at this time, and he he said no. So, what do you think about that? It's like, what is now the time to consider that more than ever? And if we were to, how many lives could be saved? You know, what would be different? Yeah. So, 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 what's happening is um, then Lieutenant Governor uh, Tate Reeves denied uh, any bill to come out of the Senate regarding. Uh, uh, granting uh, more expanding access to health care. The same for Speaker Philip Gunn on the House side uh, for the eight years that they served together. And so now Governor Reeves is maintaining his position, which I think uh, is, 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 is an absolute wrong position to take, especially considering what we are experiencing right now. Uh, I would just encourage all of my Republican uh the Republican leaders and the Republican majority of the state to be the Christians that they profess to be. This is a call for helping your brother that's in need. People are dying. People are getting infected at an alarming rate. And this is an opportunity not only to take some of the burden of the costs associated to without our health care uh, system will have to face, but also to be just considerate to those heroes that are on the front line uh, risking their lives to take care of us. And so I think now more than ever, Ashley, is the time for us to, to expand access to health care to, to, to many more Mississippians. We're talking about, again, 300,000 or so Mississippians. How concerned are you about your constituents? I mean, we're talking about African-Americans and we're looking in uh, areas where many of them reside. And um, just knowing historically, many African-Americans are less likely to be insured or to have a particular uh, level of health. But in terms of your area and your constituents, how do you feel about this? Yeah, the, the Mississippi Delta and places like South Mississippi uh, would be affected uh, more severely from uh, any any uh, problem or any uh, negative outcomes that the rest of the state of Mississippi will face because there's a positive correlation between access to care, economics, food deserts. So a lot of these things are positively correlated, which simply means that they actually run together. And so when you look at the Mississippi Delta and you look at the uh, the, the lack of jobs, you look at 
uh, the disparity in income, you look at all of the disparity of the access to health care, it all goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And so even though we have to work on all of these things, it will be great if we could address the health care, the access to health care now. So I'm very concerned for uh, my constituents uh, and, and the entire Mississippi Delta. And I'm also concerned for other places in the state that look like the Mississippi Delta. Derek Simmons is a Democrat from Greenville and Senate Minority Leader. The Department of Health is continuing its aggressive testing strategy this week through additional one-day collection sites. A site will be available in Tunica County today at 3873 U.S. 61 North between 9 and 4. Anyone experiencing symptoms related to COVID-19 and feels they should be tested must first go through a free screening from a UMMC clinician through the C Spire Health UMMC Triage app. To stay current on the latest developments concerning the coronavirus in Mississippi, visit mpbonline.org slash coronavirus. Coming up, because of the coronavirus, some pregnant women are worried about giving birth in the hospital. A growing number are considering home births. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Hospital delivery rooms are looking a little quieter these days. In response to the spread of COVID-19, hospitals are putting limits on who can be in the room during the birthing process. Those restrictions, along with other concerns about the virus, are leading some women to consider delivering their babies at home. WBHM's Mary Scott Hodgen reports. Veronica Webby Upchurch and her husband had been trying to get pregnant for four years. They went through infertility treatments, had two miscarriages. Now, Webby Upchurch is almost 32 weeks along. I kind of have had a lot of anxiety this pregnancy anyway. It's like, okay, so now it's going to happen in the middle of just, you know, worldwide craziness. And what does that really mean? What are the risks for me? And what are the risks for the baby? And it's been kind of a lot. (laughs) For women who are pregnant, COVID-19 is causing stress on a few different levels. Dr. Jamie Routman is an OBGYN at Brookwood Hospital. She says there's the general fear of getting the virus. Right now, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says it's unclear how COVID-19 could affect pregnant women and their babies. And then Routman says there's a lot of uncertainty and concern about hospital policies. I feel like over half of my OB patients that I'm talking to in clinic are like in tears because they're so afraid their husbands are not going to be able to come and, and be with them in the hospital. Hospitals around the country are limiting visitation for labor and delivery patients. Brookwood Hospital allows one support partner to stay with a woman during and after the birth. It's the same at UAB Hospital. But some women want additional support. Melissa Jackson is almost 37 weeks pregnant with her second child. She was planning to deliver in a hospital with both her husband and her doula. But now her doula can't be there. That was a 
one of the big reasons we decided to switch over to a home birth. Jackson and her husband recently hired Rebecca Myrick. She's a professional midwife licensed in Alabama. Myrick, like many midwives, says demand is high right now. In the past few weeks, she's gotten over 20 phone calls from women interested in a home birth. And typically, I receive, you know, less than 10 calls per month. So this is a pretty significant increase. Myrick says many of the women who've recently called are in their second or third trimester. Some are concerned about the infection risk at a hospital. They're also worried about being temporarily separated from their babies if they're suspected or confirmed to have COVID-19. The CDC recommends this to help prevent infecting the baby after birth. Not everyone qualifies for a home birth. The pregnancy must be low risk, and a woman can't have certain pre-existing conditions. Dr. Jamie Routman says in general, she advises against delivering at home. I don't think it's a good idea, um, even during coronavirus times, because you don't know when you're going to need like these life-saving <laughs> interventions for you and your baby. She says she understands people are frustrated with restrictions on visitation, but she says it's necessary to protect both patients and medical staff. Veronica Webby Upchurch says she's still going to deliver at the hospital. She's due June 4th, and she's hoping by then her doula might be able to attend. But, I mean, anything can change, and anything can change about what I have in mind for, for what would be my perfect delivery, and that that's true you know, whether there's a a pandemic or not. In the meantime, she's preparing for life after delivery. She and her husband canceled their baby shower, but they're already planning a blowout first birthday party for their baby boy. Mary Scott Hodgen, WBHM. Coming up, it's trying times for children with behavioral health challenges. We'll talk to Canopy's John Damon. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. For children with behavioral health challenges, the coronavirus pandemic and the disruptions it brings can be trying. John Damon is chief executive officer of Canopy Children's Solutions. He discusses reaching children where they are during this crisis with MPB's Karen Brown. So we began as as an organization in 1912 to help every kid thrive uh, in a permanent loving home. Uh, we started when kids were being abandoned on the orphan trails uh, across the United States at the turn of the century. And what's really neat is 108 years later, we are still about that same mission to see every kid thrive in a permanent loving home. I mean, society's gotten more complex over the last century, and so have we. Um, so our offering of solutions um, that bring uh, solutions to uh, families in their own homes in all 82 counties to solutions in our schools or in our treatment centers where they come to us. Um, we really uh, provide a full continuum of behavioral health, education, and social service solutions uh, for all 82 counties in Mississippi. This coronavirus pandemic has essentially locked up everybody in their homes, mm. and this certainly has to provide challenges for these kids, especially those with autism or mental illness. They've lost their routine, and 
They've lost uh, friends for the time being and limited activities. So what is the fallout from them and how are you recommending they best cope? Well, you know, um, one of the really great things about kids is they're amazingly resilient, right? Um, And so part of our role is to be honest with them, um, be, be real with the facts of where we are, uh, but also in that journey to help demystify some of the um, the dots that they connect in their minds that shouldn't be connected, um, some of the fears and anxieties they have that are unrealistic. Are there people who are mm-hmm. at the office or working from home that can provide resources and information during this pandemic? Absolutely. So um, what's been really neat, Karen, our amazing team has been able to really pivot over 90% of everything we do to a digital format um, through telehealth. And and, um, so and then we have some direct care services uh, for kids that are in residential treatment or kids that are in emergency crisis shelters where we're with those kids physically uh, all day, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I was wondering if a foster child has a different experience. It seems that they would need a particular mm. kind of security, especially mm. in this situation. Uh, how can foster parents help them feel that and for them to get mm. through this period? Uh, that's a great question. I, I was. We had our staff meeting yesterday, and um, we start every meeting with a mission moment. And, and um, one of the mission moments was shared was, was a child in foster care who has... Um, uh, coming to this family and has really um, found their identity and acceptance and uh, and is now um, turning the tables caring for the family members and um, and you know a sense of belonging right I and mean, we all desire that and especially for kids with attachment issues that have come are coming through the foster care system creating a sense of stability and structure and permanency in their life is critical. And it's been amazing, Karen, to watch um, the foster families step up to that challenge, uh, to watch the staff wrap around them and give them support they need. Uh, And the kids are responding um, and thriving in this terrible moment, but they're they're finding a sense of, of belonging. I'd like to end by asking you about parents and caregivers, because Parents and caregivers are anxious and scared or distracted and and pretty much acting differently or maybe acting differently. And kids can pick up on those changes. How much does that affect a child? Well, you know, the one of the things that we've got to be very mindful of um, as we we are parenting uh, uh, caregivers and, and caring for our parents and um, is we can't forget the self-care that's required to make sure that we're taking care of other people. I mean, there, there's a reason why they, they say in the airplane, you know, put your oxygen mask on before you help someone else, or first rule of lifeguarding, you know, you don't have two tragedies. Make sure you're safe so that you can go out to help someone else. I think making time for yourself, um, walking or reading or doing the things that fill your cup, uh, prioritizing, health choices and how you eat and make sure you get sleep, putting boundaries up. Uh, and you may have some, some folks in, in your circle that are particularly anxious and they're constantly sending you 
um, communication about the end of the world kind of <laughs> scenarios, and you may have to cut that off. You may have to set a boundary with them and and limit your exposure. Um, and and you know we've got to be realistic right now. This is not a time to be a perfectionist. Um, we've got to be realistic, give ourselves some grace, um, and make sure that we're connecting to the things that bring us joy, our hobbies, our activities, our faith, um, so that we are fully prepared to care for other people, be it our parents or uh, our kids that we've been entrusted with, because um, we're no good to them if we're not uh, in a good place ourselves. John Damon is the Chief Executive Officer of Canopy Children's Solutions. John, thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. Appreciate you so much. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio. 